Let's take our Bibles, please, turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 tonight. It'll be a little bit different type of message, and we'll look at some of Paul's commendations. Commendations. He says in the first verse, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. And so we're going to take our title from that, Commendations. And Paul is commending some people. He's thankful for some. How many of you know that Paul wasn't always thankful for everybody? And he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord reward him according to his work. And there was others that had, had forsaken him and turned against him. And, and uh, even those that stirred up strife over the time. But there was many in the church of Rome he was quite thankful for. And it says, he writes this letter. We're not going to read the whole passage at once. We'll break it down just in little bits and pieces. And uh, we're, we're going to look at some of these things because there's one in particular that jumps out at me. And we're going to look at it a little bit closer, and uh, then we'll, uh, we'll be done for the evening. But let's have a look tonight, Romans chapter 16. Let's have a word of prayer before we start, then we can just get right into our lesson tonight. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. And as we open it tonight, we pray that we'd also open our hearts. We pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would impart truth to us, help us to understand, help us to grow. Father, if we can learn from these final farewells and these commendations that Paul hands out. Lord, I pray that it would help us to want to be more pleasing unto Christ. Help us, Lord, to one day say, I'd like to hear those words from my Savior. As the Father, fill us with the Holy Spirit of God. Teach us tonight, we pray. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first 16 verses we're going to look at tonight, we'll see that Paul uses it to express his appreciation And uh, like I said a moment ago, there's other times where Paul is kind of dark about some people. He's upset with some things and some things that have fallen out in his ministry. And he understands, Paul understands that sometimes hurt is a part of life. Uh, He says offenses, or the Bible tells us that offenses must come. We understand that. And and sometimes they come, and even good-intentioned people. I, I read a book years ago that Pastor Masker had given me. He'd read it, and we looked at it, and it said, well intentioned dragons. That was the title of the book, Well-Intentioned Dragons. And some people think they're doing what is right, and yet it's very harmful and hurtful to the other person. And so uh, maybe they don't mean to be that way, and they think they've got the best interests of the church in mind, but we have to be careful not to be offensive, not to be hurting people. And Paul often just learned how to turn those hurts over to the Lord. He said, the Lord reward him according to his service. And so we we know that Paul had a good handle on life, but notice how he thanks some people here tonight as we look at verse 1. It says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sancrea. Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. The word servant, obviously, is a term of humility. Feeble was a a lady that was humbly serving before God. Notice that she was a sister. That doesn't mean a physical sister. She was born, uh, born into the same family as Paul and related by blood in any way, but she was a sister in Christ. She knew the Lord Jesus Christ, and she used what she had as a child of God to be a blessing to others, and so she served faithfully in the church. The Bible says this, and Jesus, in fact, said this, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. So a true servant is one who follows Christ, but a true follower of Christ is one who serves. We we can never separate the two. If you're going to truly follow Christ, 
you must serve. That's what the Bible teaches. Let me read what Jesus said once again. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. So wherever Jesus is, if we are following him, we are to be servants. That's what Christ is commanding us to do. Paul said to the Philippians that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. We, we want to be like Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, if you want to talk about what predestination is, the Bible says we are predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. When you became a child of God, you started out on a quest, and the Holy Spirit began to chip away things in your life to make you look more and more like Jesus all the time. Let's, let me say this. Jesus was a servant. What was the most popular title for Jesus in the Bible? Somebody yell it out. Oh, what if I gave out a sucker if you got the answer right? Would that help? The Son of Man. The most used title of Jesus in the New Testament. That means he was a servant. He came to serve. He came, the Bible says, to give his life. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Paul said he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. James also a, uh, called him this. In James uh, chapter 1, verse 1, he referred to himself as a servant of God. Simon Peter was a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Jude referred to himself as the servant of Jesus Christ. And Paul told Titus that he was the servant of God. We sometimes get this idea that a servant is a negative thing. One who serves another. We look at somebody that perhaps works as a, a maid or a butler in a rich person's home and we call them the servants. Listen, the truth is, we serve the King of Kings. We have a heavenly father that is such a privilege to serve. There's no, uh, it's no insult at all to be called a servant of God for Jesus humbled himself and he too was a servant. So notice, first of all, he commends Phoebe for being a servant of the church. Now look at verse two. That you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you for she hath been a secure. That means a help of many and of myself also. This servant of God was such a blessing to Paul that he would mention her by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a letter to the church at Rome. And he says, I want you to receive her, not just as a servant, but as a saint. Receive her, and then I want you to help her. Think about that. He's saying to other people, I want you to be a servant to a servant. I want you to help her in any way that she needs help because she has been such a blessing to so many and she's been a blessing to me. Look at the second person we see in verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Helpers. Notice what he says about them. Who have for my life laid down their own necks unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the church of the Gentiles. Priscilla and Aquila, who were helpers, who laid down their own necks. Aquila and Priscilla were fellow laborers who understood what the cause of Christ really was about. They were willing to give their lives to serve Jesus Christ. This wasn't just somebody that served quietly. These were people that were visible and that anybody at any moment could come in and take their lives for the cause of Christ. 
They, they weren't hiding in the background. They were out there. They were vocal. They were doing the work of Christ and aiding Paul in the ministry. And as a result, they put their lives on the line to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've had it pretty easy in North America, haven't we? God has blessed us with freedom and we've been able to serve. But friends, it may not always be like that. And we see around the world today many that must give their lives. Understand what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here. He's talking about living sacrificially. Here's the thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Apostle says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. If we could ever truly embrace what that verse means and live our lives daily as a sacrifice unto God, when things get hard, it won't be all that difficult for us just to sacrifice, just to give ourselves. It's not easy to go from living free and having all the liberty in the world to suddenly saying, I'm going to have to give my life for the cause of Christ. But if we have already surrendered ourselves, Paul said it this way, I am crucified with Christ. I die daily, he said. If you were to ask the Apostle Paul as he's sitting in a Roman jail and he's writing this letter to the church of Rome, Paul, how is it that you're so content? How is it that you are facing death and yet you are pleased? And I think Paul's answer might sound something like this. I died a long time ago. I gave my life the moment I decided I was going to follow Christ. I, it was a sacrificial giving. And now I am fully crucified, and now I die daily, and I, and I crucify the affections and the lusts of my life. I don't have any desires of my own. I am willing to die for Christ, and so I died a long time ago. That's the kind of servant we're talking about when we talk about Priscilla and Aquila. And then we see in verse 5, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. He was the first saved. You, you know, you always remember that first one you led to the Lord. And Paul was excited about it. He came into Achaia, and this may not have been his first convert, but it was the first one in this region. And, and he salutes him. He says, I make sure you say hi to Eponidas. He was my first convert. He was the first fruits of the Lord. And, and that's maybe not a compliment necessarily, but it was a sweet memory for the apostle. And, but think about this. What courage it took for Eponidas to accept Christ as his Savior when nobody else in the entire region knew the Lord. He was the first. Can you imagine the pressure he might have felt? How it, how it, how it, it was for him. You, you know, you think about this. Maybe there was hundreds and maybe thousands of people that gathered to hear Paul preach and they wanted to hear from this Pharisee that had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And maybe from some far off place, they'd heard the stories of, of this Jesus and the miracles he could do. And Paul had met him and they wanted to hear about it. And so they gathered maybe thousands. And, and I don't know if they did an invitation like we might do tonight, but uh, maybe Paul is throwing out the lifeline and he's begging souls to be saved and he's pleading with them through the gospel and not one soul gathered there in the streets hundreds maybe thousands of people and in the back Eponidas puts up his hand he says I want to be saved boy that takes some courage didn't it sometimes it's hard for us to walk an aisle in front of other people that know us and love us but Eponidas everybody must have thought was this guy joining a cult what is going on? 
And yet he came and he was the first one. What courage for him to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see, read on in verse 6, greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. I won't expound on that because it's just talking more about service. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. They've been saved a long time. Greet Amplius. Now here's another title, my beloved in the Lord. My beloved in the Lord. You say, what does that mean? It means he's worthy of love. That's what the word beloved here means. He's worthy in the love. Why? Because he's in the Lord. He's my beloved because he's in the Lord. It, does, it doesn't say I, I, I love him because he's a great guy and I love him because we, we just kind of hit it off and we, when we went on a preaching tour together, we, he just was such a help to me and a blessing to me. He just said hi to him. I love him for the simple fact that he knows Jesus. Friend, that ought to be enough. That ought to be enough. Sometimes we, we get down to the nitty-gritty and we start looking and examining everything about a person to decide whether we like them or not. The Bible says in 1 John that if we don't love the brethren, we don't love Christ. He said, I just, I just want you to know he's my well-beloved. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Why? Because he's in the Lord. He knows Jesus. He's part of my family. Paul used this word often in Scripture when speaking about the saints. Notice that the father also used this word when speaking about his son. He said, this is my beloved son. He is my favorite. I love him. And that's how our feelings ought to be about fellow believers. This word describes the privileged change we experience in Christ. You were once lost. And you were worthy of the penalty of sin, but because of the death of God who saved us, we are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we are made as the sons of God, joint heirs with Christ. And through Christ, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, we became accepted in the beloved. Think about that in that context. When Paul said that he is his beloved, he meant he is my favorite. I love him because he's in Christ. Jesus Christ said because we are saved, we become accepted in the beloved. We are his favorite. He shines upon us. He loves us simply because we're his children. I'm reminded of the song, what a wonderful change my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. So we'll read on and we'll see some more here tonight. Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Look at verse 9. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of, your guess is as good as mine, Aristobulus household. Salute Herodian, my kinsmen. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Now, just in case you're wondering, I have an online Bible program, and I can click a little button, and I can listen to these words. But I'm going to tell you, I listened to them online, then I went to another, the online Bible, it's called, I had the blue letter Bible, and I went to the online, and they pronounced them all different. 
So you figure that out. They're, they're not easy to say, and uh, I'm trying to do the best I can. You're just glad you're not reading them up here with me. Now look at verse 13. Here's where we'll focus for a moment. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother in mind. Now the word chosen has two meanings here. One who, because they have trusted Christ, has been chosen by God unto salvation. By the way, God chooses everybody who freely accepts Christ. If, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you're part of the chosen. Isn't that wonderful to know? That's what it means. But the word chosen here also means the choice ones. It is the best of any kind or class. It means excellence. And he says Rufus is one who is excellent because he's in the Lord. And we understand here tonight that this word chosen is often applied to people in Scripture. Listen, you are nothing without Christ. But when Christ comes into your life, you can be excellent, chosen in the Lord. Now, I want to take you back to verse 10. I want to focus on this one that jumps out a little bit with, with me tonight. Verse 10, salute Apelles. Look what it says, approved in Christ. Approved in Christ. What does that mean? You know, the word approved is the Greek word dokimos, dokimos. It is only used eight times in all of Scripture. Two of those times has nothing to do, it has a completely different context, a different meaning in what we'll look at tonight. But these other six times, it is used to mean this word that we'll see here tonight, approved in Christ. It is a word that the Holy Spirit is used sparingly, and yet it is applied to this servant named Apelles. We have never heard his name ever before Romans 16. And you'll never hear it again after Romans 16. But the Bible says he got God's attention. Here's what it means. The word approved means pleasing and acceptable unto God, passing the test. I don't know if I read Romans 16 if I find a higher compliment. I mean, it's wonderful if God says this is a wonderful servant of God. This is somebody who has been chosen. I mean, those are wonderful things. I mean, that our salvation means that we have been chosen by God. That's a wonderful thing. But this word literally means we are pleasing to God. We are acceptable on him. We have passed the test. There was actually people back in the ancient times called dokimos acceptable or pleasing. And it was their job to weigh coins. In the ancient world, there was no banking system like there is today. There was no such thing as paper money. And so they would take all this money was made from metal and it was poured into different forms and it would be form different sized coins, but it was the weight of the coin that determined the value of the money. A docomos was one that was known to have great integrity. You see, somebody might go to Paul and say, I need, to, I need to get some coins from him. And they would find that their coins weighed just a little bit less. He had shaved a little bit off the edges. They were money changers. You remember that Jesus Christ wasn't happy with the money changers because they were a bunch of crooks. And that's exactly what they did. They would shave that coin a little bit. And so if you went to Paul and, and you said, I need $5 in coins, you might only get $4.59. 
And if you went to somebody else, you might only get $4.39 and, and so on because they would trim those coins down a little bit. But a dokimos, everybody would say, no, no, you need to go to the dokimos. Who is the dokimos? He is the one with great integrity. He's the one that if you ask for $5, you might actually get $5 and one cent. He's the one that doesn't shave the coins. He's the one that weighs them properly. He doesn't keep his finger upon the scale. He makes sure that you're getting everything that you deserve. Edokamos, full of integrity. That's who people wanted to deal with. And the Bible says about this Apelles, he was accepted. He was edokimos of the Lord. In other words, he passed the test. If you were to take those coins from Paul or somebody else and you were to melt them down and re-pour them into a form and weigh and get rid of all the impurities in that coin, you would find for certain that they didn't measure up. But if you were to go to a palace, you would find that every penny was there, that he was honest. He hadn't added anything impure to them. He hadn't trimmed off or shaved down the coins in any way. As a matter of fact, they say today that if you were to get a Roman coin, you can barely find one that is the actual weight because people had cheated for so many years, but not a palace. He had integrity. Now let me, if I could for a moment tonight, say this. I'm thankful that I'm part of God's beloved. The blood of Jesus Christ has placed me into his family. And he loves us. I'm thankful tonight that I'm chosen. I'm thankful tonight that, that as we look at all these things that we, we can be servants of the church and we can live sacrificial lives and give our lives for Christ. But one day I want to stand before God and I want to be pleasing unto him. I don't want to come in like a Roman coin lacking in value. I want to say to God, I give you everything I had. Honesty, integrity. We see this a few other times in the scripture. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 14. Just look back a page. Romans chapter 14. And look at verse 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy him with thy meat. Destroy not him with thy meat. Sorry, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ, listen to this, is acceptable to God and approved. There's that word again. Approved of men. What is he saying? He's talking about judging those things that we as Christians so often love to judge. We get got, all got, get caught up in all the little silly things of life. We worry about meat and holy days and all these different things. And he says, listen, look back at verse 16. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Don't let people judge you for doing good. 
If you've been convinced in your heart and your mind and God has led you to this place and the word of God does not disagree, go ahead and serve God. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. The Bible says, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men. It is our job to honor both the king and to love the brotherhood. So the Bible teaches. And so he's saying when we can serve Christ with purity of heart and, and we don't get all caught up in all these silly little things, but we just serve God and love God and, and chase after him with great passion, not only will we be right with God, but we'll be approved of men. You'll be the person somebody will come to you and say, hey, I've got a prayer request. Could I share it with you? You're the one that people will trust. Brother Dennis and I were talking about a family that, that he, he knows. And, and I said, are they related? And of course, Dennis knows everybody. Knows everybody. And I said, are they related to this family? He goes, no, they're not related at all. But I know them too. And they live over on Highway 6. You remember what I'm talking about? And I said, well, I went to high school with that guy. And I said, that guy was so quiet. So he grew up on a farm. I said, he always wore a button-down shirt. He never wore a T-shirt like most kids do. You know, he always wore a nice pressed shirt and... And uh, his jeans were ironed. I mean, he was always kind of sharp looking. And, and I said, he was a great big guy, just a big guy, gentle giant, but he hardly ever talked. You talk to him, he'd, he'd answer and he'd talk to you, but he didn't say very much, very quiet. I, I remember that we had to have a class election for a class president, you know, and, and uh, our student, student body president, you know, there's four or 500 students in the school at that time. And, and they were, they were looking for a student president and they said, well, let's nominate this guy. And he sat beside me almost in every class we were in. We were in the same homeroom. We moved around to classes. And, and I thought, he'll, he'll never run. He's, he's so shy. He's quiet. He'll never run. And sure enough, he said, yeah, whatever you want. And they put his name on the ballot, and he won that thing. And I thought, he don't know four people in the school. How did he ever win an election for the student body president? And I said to somebody, I said, how come, how come you? I said, I'm not against him. He's a great guy. I said, but just, they said, there's just something about him that you can trust. They weren't wrong. He had tons of integrity. This is what this scripture is talking about. Are you somebody like that, that is approved of men? Now understand, when things are weighed in the balance, we must always be approved of God first. That's sometimes going to make men angry, right? Hello? We have to be pleasing to God first. But if the Bible commands us, if, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men, then we, in our integrity, in our character. I, I remember years ago, a pastor sharing with me, we were, we were trying to purchase a building in Hamilton, and, and he was trying to build onto his building, and, and uh, we were talking about it, and I said, I've been having, I said, I, I put together a whole plan. I said, I had all these five-year projections and 10-year projections of our offerings and what we would do and what we expected to happen, and I said, I, I had all this plan, and I said, I worked on it for months. I sat with the deacons, and we put in our thoughts, and we worked on this thing. We prayed over it. I said, I went down to the Royal Bank that we banked with, and, and they sent me down to the head office in Hamilton. I said, I sat down with the guy, the mortgage specialist, and I said, listen, we need a mortgage. I said, here's how much we need. And 
he didn't even open that booklet I put together. I mean, I had it printed. I had it bound. I had it all. Man, it was, it was awesome. And he just pushed it back across the table at me. He says, we don't deal with churches. I said, you don't deal with churches? He says, no. He says, we look real bad as a bank if we have to foreclose on a church. And so I was kind of commiserating with this other pastor. He says, yeah, we're having the same problem. He says, we can't get money from a bank either. And this was a big church. Theirs was a big church. They were, they were doing about a $2 million project and had a million and a half in the bank. I mean, they, they had most of their money. He says, they won't touch us. They said, they don't want to ever have to foreclose on a church. It just ruins their reputation as a bank, and they just don't want to touch us. And I said, so what would you do? And he says, I told them this. He says, we ought to be the first people you're dealing with because we'll pay our bills. We have integrity. And no matter what happens, we're going to find a way to get you your money because we're children of God. And, and I said, why do you suppose they've taken that stand, though? He says, no doubt, because there's been other churches that haven't paid their bills. I said, yeah, probably. Isn't that sad that banks don't want to deal with churches because of our reputation. Now, I'm not saying anybody was malicious and just said, I'm not going to pay that bill, but we know that a lot of churches today have dwindled and can't pay their bills. But the truth is, the children of God, we ought to be known to have integrity. We ought to be approved among men. Notice another one with me tonight. That's Romans 14. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. What else is approved before God? Notice verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Hmm. You ever met somebody that commends themselves? All they do is talk about themselves and all their accomplishments. But they measuring themselves by themselves, wasn't that a sad scale? And comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure as though we reached not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ not boasting of things within our measure, that is, of other man's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. The Lord commends humble servants. And the Bible says if a man commends himself, he's not approved of God. But when the Lord commends them, then they are approved of God. How many of you want to get home one day and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Isn't that what we all desire? To stand there at the judgment seat of Christ and to... Watch our 
works all burn up as wood, hay, and stubble? Wouldn't that be awful? Somebody said this, I, I really don't want to be an expert in things that do not matter. What are we applying ourselves to? God says, it's the humble servant that I will command, and he is the one that will be approved of God, and one day will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm almost out of time, and I'll give you a couple more tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, uses that word approved again. It says, study to show thyself what? Approved unto God. So how do I get to the place where I have integrity? And how can I get to the place where people say, that's the person I want praying for me. That's the person I can trust. That's the person we want counting the offerings in the church. That's the person we want to be a deacon. That's the one I want to teach a Sunday school class. How can I become that person? The Bible says this, study to show thyself approved unto God. Work at it. Get into the word of God. We never want to be ashamed before Christ. But it comes through the thorough study of God's word. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Turn there. I'll give you one more. Apelles was approved of Christ. Think about this. You never heard of him before and you'll never hear of him again. But this word that is only used a few times in the word of God describes his life. I don't know who he was. I don't know what he did. It makes me wonder, is he the one that when Paul went to the church and had a burden upon his heart and he said, I need somebody really that I can trust to pray about this. Apellus, come here. Let's, let's take an offering tonight. Apellus. Everybody trusts Apellus, right? He's approved. You don't have to worry about him. He's a dokimas. If I can say this, it's akin to being the pillar of the church. I learned a long time ago, there are some who are pillars in the church and there's some who's caterpillars in the church. Just move from place to place and do very little. But we need some men like Apelles. He wasn't looking for fame. He could have. He could have jumped on a missionary journey. He could have preached to thousands perhaps and gone along with Paul and Barnabas or Silas or somebody. And he could have made a name for himself perhaps because he had all the things that God had placed in his life that made him an integral part of ministry. But he was content serving his local church with integrity. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation... For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The word tried there is the word dokimos. It's one of the other times it is used. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is approved. Do you know how they proved those coins? They had to try them by fire. The only true way, you could weigh a coin... You could put it on a scale, and it might even be heavier than what you expected. And you think, oh, wonderful, it's got more silver in it than I ever expected. No, it could have some iron ore in it. It might be impure. The only way to truly know was to melt it down through the refiner's fire. 
I think that's what James is speaking of when he says enduring temptation. Trials by fire that come along in our lives. And he says when we've endured it, then we can be approved. Years ago, you've heard of the Temple Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan, I'm sure. The pastor was a fellow by the name of G.B. Vick. G.B. Vick was pastoring thousands of people there. Many, many saved. He had been a music director for J. Frank Norris for many years and finally became a pastor of one of the two churches. Interesting, J. Frank Norris pastored the Temple Baptist Church in Detroit, and he also pastored a church in Fort Worth, Texas. And he'd fly back and forth, and he'd preach every second weekend in different places. And finally, they just decided that was too much, and G.B. Vic took the church in Detroit and, and took it to new heights, and God blessed and became just a great, great church as he preached there. Years later, a young man was called to take the church. I don't remember his first name. His last name was Powell. And he came in, and he took the church. And I remember him preaching when I was in Bible college, and he came and think about this, he was only 29 years old. He'd come on staff and he'd been the, uh, on the assistant pastor for a little while and wasn't expecting they were going to groom him to one day be the pastor maybe when he was 40 years old of this mega church. And I don't know what happened, but the pastor died suddenly or something happened and the church fell upon him. He had to pastor it at 29 years old. That's a lot of responsibility for a young man for such a large congregation. And he says, I, I would go to fellowship meetings, and he says, older preachers would scoff at me. He says, oh, you, you haven't earned that position. It just kind of was given to you. And you've got this big church, and you've got this good salary, and you've got all these buses, and you've got everything you can ever imagine that you would have. And he says, you just, it's all been handed to you. They said, one day, you're going to go through some trials. And God will start shaping you into the kind of preacher he wants you to be. And he said, they just kept telling me, you're going to face some hard times. And this isn't going to be easy taking a church like that at your age. And you're going to face some trials. He says, I didn't have the heart to tell him. His wife had battled cancer. In the midst of her cancer, she had a miscarriage because of the chemotherapy. She conceived again and lost another child after the cancer. They had a little one that was two or three years old that went through a critical heart surgery. All these things that just kept happening in their lives. He said, I didn't have the heart to tell them that I've already been broken over and over again. He wasn't saying it to his credit at all. He was saying this, I know exactly what they're talking about. He said, I didn't want to argue with these older preachers and I didn't want to tell them that those things have already been happening in my life. He says, but I know this. I could never have pastored this church at 29 years old if I didn't go through some trials and some fire. And he didn't use the word approved of God. But the verse says, when we are tried, when we are tried. Yeah, to get to that place, sometimes we've got to go through some trials. But blessed is the man that endureth. 
Well, life's not easy sometimes. I think you'd all agree with that. We have some folks in the church right now going through some trials. Life and death situations. We need to pray for them that they'll endure. That they'll come through. On the other side, approved of God. Because that's all that really matters at the end of the day. That we stand before God. How many of you have ever heard the expression, all you have is your name? You ever heard that expression? All you have is your name. That's kind of what this whole message is about. Without Christ, you don't have anything. But with Christ, you can be approved. Approved of God, like a palace. I don't know who he was. One day in heaven, we'll get to meet him. And we'll find out, who is this guy that Paul said was approved? I mean, he didn't use that word very often. I bet he's a guy that went through some trials. But I know he was a guy you could trust. That's what we all strive to be. Yes, we ought to be servants. We ought to be beloved, part of the beloved. Just understand that we are to love one another. But I want to be approved of God. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Help us to be what you want us to be. Lord, grow us in our integrity. Grow us in our character. Lord, help us to be a people that can be trusted. The world looks at us kind of funny already. We should never give them a reason for their disbelief in us. We should never go about to prove their skepticism. Help us, Lord, to be just the opposite. Help them when they look closer at our lives find out that they were wrong. That we are children of God and it makes us better. It makes us approved. So help us, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight and God has spoke to your heart. We'll let you respond and come to this altar.